The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Up in Garage Mahal, you got P Nate, Elder P, Dave the Sound Guy on the knobs and dials and stuff like that. <laughs> We're all in the studio. It's good. It's great. I, did I tell you that I had somebody that um, recently come up to me at the church and was like, "Do you know what I love about your podcast? Like, you and Nate are great, but like the quality is really good. And the sound I had, quality. I had, that's to, all I had, to, I had yeah. to point and be like, "Well, that has nothing to do with me and Nate. That's yeah. why it's good." <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had people be like, "You sound better on the podcast than you do in person." <laughs> so, you know. That's all. Uh, well, that's all. Looking at you, Etsy. That so. definitely. That definitely counts today because you are a bit sick today. A you little were, bit. I'm not. Yeah. So I had a bit of a cold last week, and it's just working its way out slowly. So I'm a little bit congested, but I'm feeling all right. Um, he's got COVID, guys. He's yeah. COVID. Yeah. I have no idea. No, actually, I do know that this one is not because uh, I. Yeah. Anyway, I do know did, that this one is not. Did you even get it at any point during the last like five ne- years of the most infectious disease that's ever happened? I never tested positive, but I I didn't test. So like one time I got sick and I was sick enough not to come to church. And I think he filled in for me. And then I got sick once in December and I got sick on like a Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. And that was when like a few people uh, close yeah, to yeah. us had gotten gotten sick with COVID. Uh, but I tested negative and uh, I, I was well enough to preach. But I, just, I the only reason I tested then is because I didn't want to go to church if I blatantly had uh, had it. Or at least at the very least, I would not have shaken hands. I would have done the fist bumper, elbow bumper, something. But... Yeah, so I never actually received a positive test. So the, the there you fist go. bump of love, the elbow bump of prosperity. I don't yeah, know what it's I don't called. know what it is. Um, but yeah, so uh, we are the Rebels, and this is the Rebel Podcast. We are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and uh, you might be listening to us on their feed, or you might be listening to us on the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. And we would encourage you to get the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. That's uh, a great way to make sure that the show doesn't get canceled. We've been in trouble. Cross Politic has been in trouble. I'm sure AD has been in trouble several times. So lots of people on the network have uh, have uh, gotten canceled in various ways. So the only way to make sure that you always get our content is download the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. And we're on the Canadian side of that. If otherwise you're listening to us on a podcast catcher, um, you can subscribe to the podcast, uh, Rebel Podcast, just by looking up Rebel Podcast or Rebel Alliance Podcast, or you can get us on the main feed. The other thing you can do is go to Patreon backslash Reform Rebel and you can find us there. And we do have a Patreon that we are now that we're kind of back into the groove here, Chris, we got to get some Patreon content back up and going. But anyway, those are the ways that you can get back to the show. But uh, we're here today. And uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is this leaked information. So by the time we are recording this, um, there's been leaked information. It hasn't come out yet, but that uh, Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned by the Supreme Court. And the the Supreme Court has actually confirmed the leak. So it's not just rumored, but it is uh, actually confirmed. So I was shocked by this. Like it kind of came out of nowhere. 
quite frankly. I was shocked too because I, I went on like Facebook or whatever, um, you know, mid-morning one day and all of a sudden I saw this everywhere. Where you get all like, the truth. Yeah, like you know, the <laughs> best news source there is out yep. there, Facebook. And I saw that. So like interesting, it's interesting that you made that joke because my immediate thought was like, obviously this is false and fake news. Right. And so it wasn't until like I started seeing it tweeted out and like, you know, I think Rebel News put something out like where it was like all of a sudden it was like coming out everywhere that from the Politico that this has been leaked all of a sudden started to be like real comments from people with like names attached to the quotes, which adds the weight where it's like, oh, no, this is actually a thing that might be happening. Yeah. And like I had seen the first thing that like confirmed it for me was I heard about it. I saw it on a news source and I was like, I, I wonder if that's true. And so I just searched like Roe v. Wade and clicked like the news tab on Google. Who knows what you're going to get with Google. But of course, what gets come right up to the top is like all of the like CBC and New York Times saying like how awful this is going to be, which is then I'm like, oh, okay, now I, now I believe it's actually going to happen. So, well, so then it was confirmed by the Supreme Court that this uh, decision is coming out, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. Praise the Lord. It's crazy. Just a reminder that like, even though things are bad in the world and things look terrible and everybody's, God's working in, the, in these things. And oftentimes what looks like defeat to us turns into victory in a way that we could never expect. Like, because you, like you said, this came out of basically left field. If anything, I feel like the trend had started to turn against us in this argument, whereas over the last few years, I feel like we had been gaining ground towards this. And all of a sudden, it just like seemed to have stopped over the last year with COVID and whatnot. Yep. And then all of a sudden, this, this decision comes out of nowhere. And it's like a good reminder that even though we can't see the full picture, God's got it planned out for us. And if we could see how history was going to work out, we wouldn't change one dot. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just want to read a little snippet here from the New York Times. The New York Times is not the best place to get your news, uh, nor is it the best place to get, I would say, good opinions on things. But it is a, a liberal news source. And so I think that uh, it's it's good to kind of look at this. So this is what they're saying about this. It says, abortion bans have been introduced in 31 states this year, which I thought was interesting. Wow. Bans have passed at least one legislative chamber in seven states, Arizona, Idaho, Wyoming, Florida, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. They have been enacted in six of those states, Florida, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Arizona, Idaho, and Wyoming. And then, uh, quote, what we're seeing right now is the buildup of decades where state legislatures have been adopting restriction after restriction, and now they're moving quickly to adopt ban after ban, said Elizabeth Nash, state policy analyst for Guttmacher Institute. Uh, She said the legislation reflected the efforts of increasingly conservative state legislatures moving to take advantage of rightward shifts in the courts. Several states already have so-called trigger bans, which will make abortion illegal if Roe is overturned or scaled back. All of the legislation proposed so far is likely to be enacted, Ms. Nash said. Obviously, New York Times article goes on to say that this isn't a good thing, but it's interesting. So I, I, I want to kind of do a couple quick little shout outs. And then we don't want to spend the whole time talking about this as, the, as a news source. Actually, the, the cross-politic guys did a great job. They had much smarter people on than us to kind of analyze what this meant and that this is good. We just want to remind you of a couple things. And then we want to do what I think we do best, what we can help with. And that is just equip you for conversations surrounding this. Okay. Absolutely. So the first thing to note is 31 states introduced abortion bans this in the last, uh, what did that say? This year. Yeah, this year. Abortion bans have been introduced in 31 states this year. And I would just say bravo, church. 
and not enough can be said about end abortion now the work of jeff durbin and marcus Pittman and and those guys cross politic has been doing this for years but also some of the i would say smaller fish that we've gotten to know through the podcasting world we know you know uh, grant and erica we know that um the layman we know that uh, the two the old two thieves all of them have been working at ending abortion locally talking about it on their podcasts we know lots of people that we've met through this so good for the churches who are out there doing anti-abortion ministry and who are doing it well. And honestly, you know, my hat has to go off to Jeff Durbin, who I think is um, they've done a lot to to help people introduce uh, abortion bans in their states, and uh, they've done a great job. So hat goes off to all those guys, and and the church has done a great job. So and this is good news. So we don't want to pour any wet uh, what. I was supposed to say wet cement. That's not the saying. Is it? Is it cold water? Yeah, we don't want to cold pour water cold water. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> wet, wet cement. cement. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to pour cold water on the good news. I would just say that it's nice that it's being overturned. One thing that Chocolate Knox on Cross Politic is always harping on, always saying, and I think he's absolutely right, is the reminder that the Supreme Court does not make law, right? And so this is good. This is good news. And this will trigger a whole lot of hard work bills that have been put in place for it. And that's a good thing. Now, just be ready. I always say that the enemy is like a wild animal. And you know how raccoons aren't dangerous. But if you corner one in your garage when you're trying to get it out, it will attack. And it gets a little frenzied when it feels cornered. And so I I would just say you're starting to see all you have to do is go on Google, type in Roe v. Wade overturn, hit the news uh, tab, and you'll see all kinds of crazy. People are losing their minds over this stuff. But it also provided me with a really cool opportunity. We had friends over who are not Christian friends. They used to be neighbors of ours. We had them over last week. And this is what we end up talking about. And they know my stance on this. We were friends with them for a long time, shared the gospel with them uh, quite a bit while we lived on that street. And so we moved, we had them over to our new place, and we started talking about this. And it was interesting, Chris. So she said, actually, before I get into my, my story, is there anything else you want to say on that? Because we just kind of want to brush over the news, but I don't want to... Yeah, I, I would just say the way to think about this isn't that the battle is won. I, I would worry that too many Christians will hear that Roe was overturned and think yeah, that good, that means victory overall. Yeah. And I would say, like, liken this to D-Day. Um, where it's like, if we're thinking in terms of military, this is the beach landing, the battle has begun, but the enemy, we still have to get to their capital. We have still have to conquer them. The fight is just starting now, but this is the first big victory for our side, I would say. Yeah. And so that's like how my mind is kind of thinking. Like, I think it's, if you've ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, there's like, uh, there's a, a phrase I always use from it where it's like, this is the time to Andy Dufresne it. So when Andy yep. wrote the letter to the the library and they gave him 500 bucks, they're like, now go away. Um, he started writing two letters a day because we don't give up once we've started our, our victory. And so that's what the church needs to do. So all those people that you mentioned, praise the Lord for their ministry. But now it's time for everybody else to double down on that's this right. and start like doubling the letters that we're writing about ending abortions in each of our states, in our country. We're in Canada, obviously. We can't let our foot off the gas is all I was going to say on this. Yeah, this absolutely. And I would say um, uh, to that note, you know, it's interesting when David chopped the head off Goliath, it mobilized all of the Israelites to go and chase the Philistines away, right? And so, uh, and put them to flight. So yeah, it's a good word. Yeah, yeah so I, I had this conversation. So we had these friends over and, and it was interesting. This came up and I wasn't even the one who brought it up, but we always tend to have pretty good conversations with this couple. And she basically asked the question this way, what do you think should happen to all of the unwanted babies? 
She kind of talks statistically about how many abortions are in some of these states that will it will now become illegal. And she kind of said, like, what do you do with all those unwanted babies? When you look at how many abortions are happening in those states every single day, every single week, week after week, what happens now? Are Those are a bunch of unwanted babies that are put into the system. So before we answer that question, the other thing she said that I thought was really interesting is she said, you know, I have no problem with people like you who want to see abortion ended because I, I know you, I know you care for people, I know you, you want to see families supported and cared for, blah, blah, blah. She said, but there's a whole other group of people who are, are they're not Christians, they're just extreme right wings who want to control women and control their bodies and keep them at home and pregnant. And I thought, huh? <laughs> I just said, I don't know those people. I don't know that group of people that you're describing. Have you encountered this a lot? Like there seems to be this sort of boogeyman of, you know, that's happening because the alt-right wants this. I was thinking the same thing. You said it. I'm like, who is this mythical creature? Because like, I'm sure there is a pocket somewhere of this kind of person, but like, I don't know any. Right. And like, I, I don't know anybody who is wanting women to like get back to the you know golden age the, of them no the stone age yeah, <laughs> like, yeah get their boats away get their yeah none of us are saying that well right. we're like we're advocating for human life there isn't this mythical patriarchy that wants to hold down this entire generation of women and it's like well show me these people because i would like to actually have a conversation to correct them you know yeah I mean? like, yeah but they don't exist but like we still think like they're out there it's like I don't know. It's like Batman. It, it like, seems like the way to shut down sort of conservative ideas is to accuse them of coming from the alt-right. You know what I mean? It, it seems like that's been the new, rather than interacting with the actual arguments or ideologies or conservative ideals, it's just to blame them on coming from sort of an alt-right position, right? If It's that whole thing like, uh, I don't know if you saw, there's some you know content creators on YouTube who'd go around and say, what do you think of uh, the president's uh, policy here? And it was when Trump was the president. And you'd get these people like going off about how terrible it was and how terrible the president was. And they're like, oh, I didn't say which president. That was actually Obama. And they're like, oh, uh, right? Because people just hated anything that Trump did just because it came from Trump. And there's that sort of idea where it's like, if you can caricaturize the kind of person who's saying this thing and attack them, then you don't have to deal with the thing that they're saying. So I would just say don't get caught in that that idea of of trying to defend a group of mythical people who I don't know that all of them exist. Like I, I do know there are neo Nazis out there. There's there's there are racist groups and all that. I get all that, but these are not forming the vast majority of conservative policies or ideals. They certainly don't represent the vast majority of conservative Christians who have worked hard to end abortion or or any of that kind of stuff. I think you're dealing with a very small minority of people. And that that's where the limelight, that's where the light wants to get shone. In fact, it's really interesting. When I was up in Ottawa during the trucker convoy, and of course, what happened? All the truckers were blamed. Uh, they were a fringe minority of neo-Nazis and, and racists and, and misogynists and, you know, all the other ists that are terrible out there. And it's interesting. I was up there and I talked to several people who were there that one day that the guy was was flying the Nazi flag. The guy who was flying the Nazi flag was the, the guy who was masked up on his own, wouldn't talk to anybody else, and wasn't conversing with anybody in the convoy. He had nothing to do with the convoy. But what happened? All the mainstream media got the shot of that guy, and that guy became the representative for the entire convoy. So anyway, I just say that to say don't get caught in that because that can put an end to a conversation very quickly because Christians don't know what to do when that accusation gets lobbied out because they feel like they're suddenly stuck between abandoning their ideals or endorsing like some sort of neo-Nazi ultra right wing. Yeah, exactly. And like, 
the thing I, I want, I hope people hear is like, for most conservatives, we would be just as against them as we are against like, you know, the, the crazy alt leftists. We're equally unhappy with either of those, either of those things. What's interesting is how much like the alt-right person, that crazy far um, neo-Nazi guy, everybody who agrees with conservative politics seems to be labeled that way. Like yeah. I've been called like, you know, a fascist and I'm like, I don't even think you know what that means. Like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. um, and it's just like, so like, because yeah, we're, you're we're called fascist to, by somebody who's telling you that you shouldn't have the ideals that you have. That's yeah, interesting. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, like, yeah, but, don't get caught in just even like labeling everybody as the same, as the same thing, just yeah. because there is obviously there is a fringe minority in all of these, all these politicians. I don't know if that yeah. made any sense at all. Yeah. But, and, and I guess my, my advice to get around that conversation is, is just say, look, I don't know anybody in the category that you're talking about, but let me tell you what I think and start there. I think that's what we have to do. We have to stop allowing other people to kind of label the categories that we're in and just say, I don't know anybody in that ideal. I don't know where you're getting your information from, but here's what I do know. To give you guys another example of this happening, this happened with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. When everyone was just like, oh, there's all these people who say that black lives don't matter. And I, I remember having a conversation with one of my good friends being like, I don't actually know anybody who thinks that. Right. I don't actually know anybody who is openly racist. To be able to have that conversation, be like, that's wrong, because it is wrong. But again, there's this tendency to think that this there is this covert society that's like in the majority that actually believes these ideals. And it's like, well, no, that isn't the case. There isn't a million people, maybe millions of, like there isn't a million people in Ontario who think, like black lives don't matter. There isn't a million people in, in Ontario who are, you know, neo-Nazis. We're talking right. about like 0.0001 out of a, out of a million. Let's put them in their proper place as a fringe minority that we don't have to listen to. I realize yeah. I keep saying fringe, fringe minority, minority which is what yeah, we yeah. Right, that's, but. yeah. Okay. So what we want to do then is we want to take some time to kind of help equip you for this conversation. So Chris, how would you respond to the accusation that, you know, Christians want to end abortion, but they don't care about what happens to all these unwanted babies? First and foremost, I would say that's completely false. Any kind of basic research would show that, like, we want to end abortion not because we don't care about the babies, because we actually care about them living. You've never met a kid who's in a foster home who would rather have been dead than be in the foster home. So even if they have to become wards of the state or whatever happens— it's still better off for the child at that point than being, life. Exactly, than being dead. I don't think, I don't think anybody who is in the option to be like, I could have been aborted or I could have been alive is choosing the other. Yeah. So first and I do all, want to stop there just, just to quickly say like, we, we understand that there's, there's depression and mental health stuff and there are, there are people who want to take their own lives. And, and so we're not saying that that does not happen. And, and sometimes the hand you're dealt in life can, can get you there. But I would say, People who are suicidal and don't want to live anymore, they need help. They don't need to be helped to die, yeah. right? We ought not to kill those people. We ought to help those people. Exactly. The, the solution to the problem like um, of having too many children isn't genocide of the children. Right. And I think that's the first place to start. So when, when we're accused, well, you know, Christians don't even care about where these babies go. And you get answers about like the system is broken and there's not enough support and there's there's long wait lists for foster homes and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, and you can do this. You can, yep, yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. You can nod. You can nod. And then when they're done talking, you'd say, but I don't think the solution is genocide, right? Like at the end of the day, we have to remember that at the very base of this argument is our belief that abortion is murder. That's what immediately diverts. And the reality is, is that your average person does not believe that abortion is murder. 
your average person who even all those people who say, um, you know, I personally would never choose abortion, but I don't think we should take away a woman's right to choose, right? The people who would say it that way, they don't believe that abortion is murder. If they did, they would have very different ideas surrounding abortion. So I think you got to draw it back. And I think one of the, the starting places for your conversation is to remind them that the reason we legislate against abortion, the reason we are in favor of banning abortion is because we value life and we don't believe that murder should be legislated and should be legal. Absolutely. So I, I think that's a great response is, you know, the solution is not genocide here, right? The solution is not murder here. And and oftentimes what I'll do is, again, and, and you have to navigate this well, right? You have to, you have to read your audience. You have to know the you know, um, but if you're talking theoretically, one of the things I'll often do is I'll just say, so when they start talking about poverty, when they talk about cycles of poverty and cyclical poverty and, and depression and, and all that kind of stuff, I would just say, so do you think that a, a mother who, you know, is unable to make ends meet um, and, you know, so let's say she has four kids and um, she's having trouble making ends meet because the system is broken and she doesn't make enough money, you know, rent is, is what it is and, and her, her the checks that she's getting subsidized from the government don't pay for everything. Does she have the right to pick which one of her four children is the biggest financial liability and kill the child? Of course right? not. Uh, of course not, right. So yes, the system is broken, but just because the system is broken does not mean that we should allow people to murder, right, at the end of the day. Now, you can get in that conversation theoretically, but you have to also remember that sometimes this is a far more emotional conversation, and I, I think it's okay for us to not then be cold and callous in our conversation when somebody is being far more emotional. Sometimes you're talking to women who have had abortions, all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong, I think women who have had abortions have been complicit in murder, but I also think that there's forgiveness and there's redemption in Christ. And I also think that they are not the only ones who bear the responsibility of this because they've been educated in a system that has taught them to believe that all they're doing is aborting a, uh, a clump of cells, not unlike, you know, blowing your nose and, and getting rid of a bunch, a bunch of mucus in your body. Like, realistically, that's what they've been educated through the public system. Absolutely. To believe. So that's one avenue you can kind of talk through with them. The other avenue that you can get to is, is and this is one of the questions I was asked directly, is what is the church doing? So the church is fighting to end mm -hmm. abortion. What is the church doing for families and for babies who are unwanted? That's a great question. And I think we have to be able to answer this question as as churches. And I think, like, personally, we, we're a part of a church where the amount of adoptive and, and foster kids and, you know, safe family involvement, safe family is a great ministry here in Canada, and that sort of stuff is, is high enough that I hold my head pretty high when it comes to sort of what are you guys doing directly. Yeah, absolutely. I, j I literally just babysat kids at an adoption support group that our church hosts. Yeah. Um, and, like... Patting ourselves on the back, but like, there's much work to still be done. Absolutely, um, in the in the church big C, um, in this area. But that's a, it is a valid question for them to push that back to it us is. because yeah, part of the reason that the world, like I would say, part of the responsibility for the genocide of our children is that the church has abdicated our 100%. our our roles in terms of the fact that we've hunkered down over the last hundred years, and so the uh, idea of that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, so we're not we don't have to worry about changing those policies because it's all going to end end tomorrow. And I realize I'm tying eschatology too but i think like the way we we think about culture and our success in culture does generally impact how we how we think about overcoming things like abortion and and evils in our society so i would say the church is just as culpable 
of allowing this to happen. John Piper said, be careful if you're not doing anything to fight abortion. I'm paraphrasing his his quote, but um, be careful about how you think about the Christians who live through slavery if you're not doing anything to fight abortion in our time, because history mm. will judge us the same as we judge. We look back on Christians who were complicit, pro and yeah. complicit in, sa- in slavery during those, uh, those times, because we're not doing anything at a, about abortion because that's a bigger, like a, almost yeah. a bigger issue. If, yeah. you, if you no, will. I, I support um, that. Sentence. And so I would say like, we have to be very careful to not just put it onto the politicians to think about the, the, the church in general. There is great questions. Like what does the church do? But there is pushback to that as well, because like, the adoption waiting list in Canada, I, I can't speak for in the States, but in, in Canada, it's years. Yeah. And so like if all of the, some, there's all these babies who are being aborted, which there is a ton are now in the system. Let's assume nobody even keeps their kid. They, they go like, we do actually have people who are waiting for like to, to adopt. So like adoption becomes the, like a, a big part of the solution. Yeah. And I think churches like, I don't know the ex- like specific number, but I do remember reading. If you look at terms in terms of adoption, church is way higher than yeah. than, than normal people in terms of like adopting kids. Yeah, um, it's, it's massive. It's it's more than fifty percent in our county. I'll tell you that. It's, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's, so that I think that's how we solve the problem. Adoption it, becomes a a huge part of our ministry. Absolutely, and I think that this is where um, you know I, I you know we've shouted out Jeff Durbin a few times on this program and, and his church at Apologia. They I think they do abortion ministry well, and one of the things that he's able to say with all sincerity at the abortion mill is, "Don't kill your babies. We'll take them. We will adopt your baby." Not only has he personally, but there at their church, they have several families who have gone through the process are ready to go. And, and are just basically waiting for God to sovereignly move the hearts of some parents who are uh, about to go in and, and murder their children to instead carry that child to term and, and give it to somebody. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a life-altering thing. But that, that is what we're called to in, you know, in terms of Christianity. Even in first century Rome, when Rome would, uh, they didn't uh, abort children the same way that we do, but they would deliver the children and then toss them into the river. And it was the Christians who fished them out. This is how many adoption agencies began all over the world, quite frankly, was Christians who were taking unwanted children and finding Christian families who would take them. That's how this all started. And now, like you said, we've abdicated that role. And I think it's time for the church to start looking to take up these things again. We should do a whole other episode sometime on uh, on healthcare and, and education because you know one of the things that I've been convicted of recently is that at our church, we are very clear that we believe Christian education is the biblical model, whether that's homeschooling or Christian private school. And one of our long-term goals at the church is, uh, is a classical Christian school attached to the church. But one of the reasons we want that, as opposed to merely preaching, is because when I preach that homeschooling or private Christian school is the biblical option, there are single moms within our church family who don't have that option, right? Because they have to work in order to take care of their families, so they can't stay home and homeschool their kids. So if I'm telling them that that's the biblical model, I feel like I'm also on the hook responsibly uh, to help them do that. And, and we're having those conversations about whether or not the church hires uh, educators who can help parents with homeschooling schooling or, or Christian education. And I think all that ties into the educational plans for our church. But I, I say all that to say we are on the hook for the values that we espouse, whether that's from the pulpit or in the in the public forum. And so I do think that we have to be ready to uh, support in all the ways that we can practically. Again, the fact that churches aren't doing this and the fact that the system is broken 
is not a good reason for genocide, and that's your base answer. But it is a, a legitimate concern. I think the more Christians we have that show a heart for fostering children, adopting children, supporting families, supporting single moms, all that kind of stuff, taking care of the orphan and the widow, it's laced throughout scripture, right? The more of a heart we display for that as we have this conversation, I think the better. I think you're spot on there too. My job at the moment, lots of times the, I get people who have complaints or have like a, I don't think we should do this. Or like when we've all heard this, it doesn't even have to be in work related. But the, my often response is, okay, what's your solution? So like you've yeah. identified the problem, give me the solution. You identified it, so you've thought about it. So I think Christians are really, really good. And I think the, when I say Christians, I mean the big C church is really, really good at understanding that abortion is a problem. We're not really well versed in what the solution to the to the valid, well, not valid, but the response to, okay, what do you do with all the kids? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, and so I think like the challenge that I think I'm hearing you lay down for us individually, like personally, but then also for all the people who are connected to churches who aren't crossroads is to have a plan in place for what happens in your community when all of a sudden the church is, here's a baby, what do we do? And I think yeah. we need to, we need to start planning that stuff out so that we are offering not only don't do it, but here's the solution. We'll take your kid or we'll yeah. help you for there, two here years. Here are five families in our church who are ready. The other thing that, yeah. uh, that they do at Apology often is, uh, you know, if finances are an issue, we can Absolutely. help you, right? Like, say. come, we, we will throw you a baby shower. You will get, you will get a crib. You will get a stroller. You will get all the big ticket items. You'll get tons of clothes, more yeah. clothes than your kid will ever wear. Like, come, we will help this happen. Yeah. And this, this is why ministries like Safe Families, which. Yep. And we, Beginnings we, and, yeah, and like, uh, London Crisis Pregnancy Center. If you're wanting to know how you can practically get in the fight, um, maybe you're not somebody who's going to go protest. It's very difficult in Canada to protest abortion, like yeah. because they happen in places like there, they happen in the hospitals. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's very different up here. I often get the pushback. Well, I don't know how to fight. Well, how you fight then is resources, time to crisis pregnancy centers, to places who are like fighting yeah. the legal battle for this and, like and do your like homework so. like not all um yeah they're not all equal they're not all equal yeah like go go to ones that are are christian based and go to ones where they they share similar values you want you want to hear people who who believe that abortion is murder that it needs to be ended and that sort of thing and of course you know their their heart is to help steer women in different decisions okay. um but yeah, so, go. I was going to say, I have a, here's, I think, another big objection that we hear when we're talking about like Roe versus Wade being overturned. So I want to get your thoughts on this one, because one of the lines that I've heard now, even from people who admit that it is murder, it, what they say is, well, criminalizing abortion doesn't stop abortions. It just stops legal abortions. So yeah. um, and so what's your response to that? Like, yeah. how would you work a Christian through that? I always joked during the, the lockdowns that uh, when you make church illegal, people would just find CD back alley church to go to. <laughs> and Crossroads happened to be the only uh, back alley CD church that was open. <laughs> No matter what, you have to know that laws that are put in place do augment behavior, right? They do they do change behavior. So no, will it change all abortions? No. Will it will it create an opportunity for crime? Yes, absolutely. Un unsafe right? abortions. Yeah, it, it will it will do that. But the reality is 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 what you're actually showing by by making that argument is is that like let, let me just strip it down of all it of all of its uh like i i'm i'm answering that question in a theoretical term now right i'm not talking to the the woman with her eyes welling up because she's had an abortion she's she's trying to be understood and trying to be given good counsel but theoretically speaking here's how i would answer that question is um just because it's not going to stop it what you've now described is women are so committed to murdering their children that they'll do it whether it's legal or not 
Like that's essentially what, what this boils down to. We do believe that abortion is murder. And so what you're telling me is that they are so committed, they would so much rather kill their child than raise their child that they would seek an illegal way to do that. And, and I think we have to remember that there are uh, so many decisions that happen along the way to pregnancy, right? People like throwing the, the idea of incest and, uh, and rape in there. They make up less than 0.1% of all pregnancies. I often say when people bring those into the conversation, I'll say, if I was to be willing to say, we'll keep abortion for those situations, I, I think there's good arguments to, uh, to those. Uh, I, I don't believe that abortion is the right option for that either. But I say, if I'm willing to say that I'll leave it for that, then would you come over to my side for every other abortion? Of course, the answer is no, right? So again, this all comes back to whether you're talking about rape or any of that kind of stuff. Okay, so a woman who decides to keep her child and raises it, and, and when it's three years old and she starts seeing those blue eyes that remind her of her attacker, right? Is, is she then allowed to say, you know what, I changed my mind, I'm going to kill my three-year-old? No, again, like this, this is still murder, right? And so how I would answer the question of like, well, what about, you know, people finding uh, less safe avenues for abortion? I would say you are focusing on their obsession to follow through on abortion. I'm saying that the law actually does augment behavior. And what we ought to be highlighting is the, you know, 45 decisions that go into sex outside of wedlock, right? I mean, this is a big one. Nobody wants to talk about this. But at the end of the day, if society was reformed through regeneration, right, and suddenly you had an ethical value surrounding premarital sex that's derived from the Bible, much of this all goes away. Right. And so like people have make the decisions to have sex. People make the decisions to have unprotected sex. People have, make the decisions to have sex with people that they don't love. People make the decision to like there's all of these decisions along the way. You know, you have people who are like, well, you know, I, we're good at two kids. We only want two kids. We want to be able to, you know, go to Disneyland and we want to go be able to go away to Bahamas and, and all this kind of stuff. We want our vacations. And therefore, there are a zillion factors that go into this. At the end of the day, what we're talking about is people want the lifestyle of being able to decide when they can have children and when they get to murder them. I'm not for that, no matter what other things that brings about. I remember hearing a comedian one time just like off the hook. He was talking about like kids and he basically said it's it's harder to order a pizza than it is. Sorry, it's a more complicated to order a pizza than it is to get pregnant. So like the idea was just there is like there's tons of decisions that go into go into doing this. So like choices have been made before you get into the situation where you're even having to do this. So what I'm hearing is like, yeah, if you don't want kids, don't have unprotected sex. Don't want to be in the situation where you have to make that choice. There's a million things that you could have done to prevent that in the first yeah. place. And um, you have people. even conceding the rape and in the incest yeah. where you couldn't have controlled it argument, which is still not a valid like reason to kill somebody. But like, even if we conceded that point and said, okay, in those situations, it's totally fine. That isn't what people are doing this for. That's right. People are doing this for convenience. It's That's going right. to ruin their lives. Or it's going to change how they're wanting their life to, life to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. That can be sometimes legitimate concerns. Single mm -hmm. mother doesn't have any money, has no idea how she's even yeah. going to feed what she has now. Or it could be unvalid. Like, hey, I, I wanted two kids before I got my surgery. My wife got pregnant a third time. Well, I only want two. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, well... It's selfishness and convenience, not... It is, yeah, absolutely. And and even even the idea, so it's just like you'll have people who say, well, well, you know, contraception isn't 100% effective. Yeah, I, I know. Abstinence is, though, right? So so every decision you have is, okay, do, do we want to have sex? 
okay, when we have sex, do we know what the, the possible outcome of sex is? Okay, so we're going to add contraception. What, you know, what's that percent? Like, understand that all decisions have consequences. At the end of the day, we live in a culture that's trying to abdicate its responsibility in every realm. It wants to be able to do what it wants and not have to live with the repercussions. I want to be able to drive above the speed limit and hit a car if I want to, but I, hey, I have auto insurance. So, uh, you know, all, all is fine, all is well, because I have, I have auto insurance and I have liability up to $2 million and blah, blah, blah. Like we live in a world that's trying to mitigate all consequences to our decisions. And at the end of the day, we have to draw a line where human life is being taken for convenience. The other thing I would just say to kind of tack onto that is that when it comes to ultimately, how does the church combat the social evil so there is abortion ministry there is uh you know a, a political side to this all that i think at the end of the day though and you talked about the you know the single mom who gets pregnant you know whatever the church has to be better at just being the church right like so many christians they give their tithe on sunday morning and they kind of wash their hands of any other responsibility but like the recognition like acts two where people had things in common they gave to one another nobody had need like if there are single moms in your church family who are struggling to put bread on the table for their kids, that's on you. That's your problem. Whose responsibility is that? Are you part of their church? It's your responsibility. I'm sure that there are people who are in need in our church, and I think we do a very good job when we know about it. Not everybody, people are prideful. They don't want to tell. They, they, they want to stay private, all that kind of stuff. But I would just say you need to be cultivating the kind of community where people's lives are so intertwined that people can't suffer silently, can't suffer secretly. And when they are suffering, we figure out what it looks like to give to them sacrificially. Yeah. And we need to be people who welcome that mess into, into, into the yeah. church. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I was thinking about this like the last week about the idea of like, you're out on the streets or you're proclaiming the gospel. What happens if that person actually got saved though? Because they're not sanctified yet. So they're still addicted to drugs. You know yeah. what I mean? They're still pregnant, single mother. You know what I mean? So we have to be a place that like accepts the mess in, in. Totally. We, don't, we don't want them to stay in the mess. We have to be willing to bring those people in. And be comfortable ourselves with it. We've got this like mentality of like that churches are like our safe haven or our country club. That isn't the picture in Acts. Like it was no. like the church was one body, which meant they suffered when somebody was suffering and they they fit the need. But it also meant there was tons of messy people together all at all at once, like working towards Christ likeness. Yeah. And I think we have to be. I think that's the indictment on I think on the on the Western church yeah. is that we're not really good at like what if what we say we believe actually transpires in our community right like like like, i'll say it this way like let's say your neighbor is thinking about having an abortion and because you have a good relationship with your neighbor because you know your call to evangelism and uh to be faithful within the sphere that god's placed you in you find out that she's struggling you talk her out of having an abortion but she doesn't have the money for her her child if there's not room in the budget of your church for you to come and throw her a baby shower at your church and to absolutely spoil that single mom, and yet the church worship team has in-ear monitors, you're at a bad church, right? Like, and I think that this is this is part of the thing. Like, when you look at churches and what where they're spending their money, if there's not room to help those broken people, or there's a discomfort from having those broken people brought into the church and cared for, you're at a bad church. That's the example of the Pharisees being like, "Why is Jesus eating yeah. eating with these tax collectors and sinners?" Yeah. Like. Because they the church. need him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. So, yeah. um, so. And, and if, if that's your church, then you have to question if you're like, you're a pharisaical, is that the right yeah, word? Yeah, pharisaical church or, exactly. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
So, all right. So we've killed everybody again. Yeah. Um, That's great. Here's the thing. I think these conversations are going to come out a lot, right? We happen to live in Canada where we're actually removed from some of this political stuff, but we're not isolated from it. We get all the news, all the gossip. We still, everybody's talking about it. It's going to get people talking here. And of course, this is what we've been fighting for here. I think we're a little bit farther down the rabbit hole than the American church is. There's a lot of work to be done here. Churches should be doing that work. But everyday Christians should also be involved in these kinds of conversations. And I think these conversations are going to come up more often than not. you got to be equipped for them. you got to be ready for them and seize this opportunity because these kinds of conversations is how you turn the cultural tide. And quite frankly, there is a straight line from the issue of abortion to the foot of the cross, right? At the end of the day, why is adoption such a Christian solution to this problem? It's because you were unworthy and yet you've been adopted and brought in and cleaned up and you've been brought into the family of God and he's a loving father to you. And so adoption is right at the very center of the gospel and you can get into these conversations in a way that can bring people to the foot of the cross. Amen. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Happy conversations. 